Hi, I'm Stacy. I love chatting about how to find our callings, preferably cozied up with steaming beverages in a coffee shop. You can connect with me on social media at Stacy Summerow and subscribe to StacySummerow.com for a free discernment packet called How to Make the Right Choice. God's adventure awaits, my friend, and I am thrilled you're on the journey with me. Hello, and thank you so much for joining me on Called and Caffeinated. This episode I recorded back in the beginning of December, so it's already been two months. I am doing so much better now than I was at the time when I recorded it, but I still think it's worth releasing because the content is rather evergreen because there's always going to be someone going through a really hard time. And I think in particular, February is probably everyone's least favorite month. So if you get seasonal depression or if you are just struggling with something really hard, I think all of the content in this episode is going to be relevant to you. So as always, thank you for listening. Check out the links in the show notes if you'd like to support my ministry. Enjoy this episode, and I really hope it helps someone who needs to hear it today. Today... I am in Michigan. I am usually from Virginia and I find myself in Michigan for a speaking engagement. And I wanted to share where I've been, what I've been doing and why it's been so long since I have posted anything. My brain has just not been in a good place. So I kind of want to speak to the side of things that is a little bit less talked about perhaps. This summer and fall was a very unexpectedly difficult time that I didn't plan for. I had a baby, a sweet, sweet little baby boy with just the most beautiful cellulite encrusted thighs. Like, so beautiful. (laughs) His name is Michael. Had him last December. And uh, yeah, having a, a new baby is always a busy time. But then in in July of this year, when he was about six months old, that's when a lot of babies actually start sleeping better. Well, he just completely stopped sleeping more than an hour. And unfortunately, um, he would just wake up every hour of the night. And since he slept right next to me in bed, there was nothing that I could do. Like we don't have enough rooms in our house where I could just go away and, you know, I wouldn't do that with a six month old anyway. Like he's not old enough to quite sleep through the night, although some babies do, but he just totally stopped sleeping. And after weeks of this, I realized that I was in such a fog that I hadn't even like tried to figure out exactly what was going on. We tried crying it out, but it just, he kept waking, he'd fall asleep and then he'd wake up again an hour later and wake up again an hour later. And this continued for weeks. And then finally we realized this is not the most epic sleep regression in the entire world. This is actually an ear infection, which is strange because if you're a parent, you know that usually there's other signs of an ear infection, like a fever or fussiness during the day, pulling at the ears, the pressure in his ears when he would lie down was waking him up. So we got him on antibiotics. We hoped that would help, but it didn't. We tried another kind, another kind, another kind of antibiotics. Fourth round of antibiotics wasn't working. So we got a referral out to an ENT and then we finally got surgery for his ears. When your brain doesn't have enough rest, there's things like you, you lose your memory. I can't even talk right now. I feel like my ability to speak has just like disappeared totally. My ability to express myself, my ability to remember things, my ability to be patient, emotional regulation just goes right out the window. And then kind of the longer term effects once, sometimes I like to Google like what's wrong with me. Um, And it turns out that they actually call it chronic sleep depression. If you go more than three months with like really terrible sleep, you know, honestly, it's like torture. Like they, they use sleep deprivation as torture (laughs) Uh, in some places in the world. You just start to feel like your life doesn't mean anything and like it's no good and there's no hope and you just are stuck in this, your world becomes about this big and you just feel like 
there's no hope and you're not gonna you're never gonna get out of this is how it feels so honestly that's been really depressing and it's been my life for the last four and a half months when your bed is not a restful place and you feel like there's nowhere that you can go to get rest and you're then it becomes like a trauma like you're lying awake waiting for your baby to wake up and after your body's awakened like three or four times your body's just like never mind we're not doing this tonight we're not sleeping so that's kind of it's just been it's just been torturous and i don't i'm not i don't want to come on here and be like my life is so horrible and like it's all awful because i know that there are a lot of people carrying a lot of heavy crosses and i try to make it my policy that i don't share a lot when i'm like in the middle of something and when you're sleep deprived and you're chronically sleep deprived you're just never out there's not a time like you're having a great day it's like it's always a bad day or a worse day <laughs> so that's how it's been honestly and um i've been really excited to share a lot of content i have such a long list of things i want to talk about and i just haven't been in a place to share it so that's my preamble i guess to all of this um hopefully there's somebody out there who who gets what i'm talking about and and even if you're not sleep deprived even if you are able to sleep and and you don't have a baby waking you up every hour there's so many reasons that we can get depressed and so many difficult things so many difficult difficult crosses people are carrying and i i really um i want to speak to that side of kind of the spiritual life as always i'm not a psychologist i'm not going to be able to give anybody medication or counseling. So if you need those things, please seek them out. I was on medication in the past when I had postpartum depression and it was very helpful. The first thing I, I was just like wondering, why does God hate me? <laughs> That's like the feeling that you get, right? Um, even though it's not true, God doesn't hate me. God, God hasn't changed since I thought that he was, since I knew that he was compassionate and and my greatest advocate and my father and my beloved like none of that about god has changed but it becomes really really hard when you have been going through something for a long time to start or to continue to see god in the same way and so your image of him can become really damaged i read psalm 143 verses 1 to 11 i was praying morning prayer and um if you read the bible regularly i think you'll you'll know and agree with me that the Bible has everything. <laughs> um, not only does it have the miracles of Jesus and the parables, it has the absolute filth of humanity and really bad stuff that people have done. And also despair and depression, frankly. So this is Psalm 143, one through 11. The enemy pursues my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me dwell in darkness like the dead long forgotten. Therefore, my spirit fails. My heart is numb within me. I remember the days that are past. I ponder all your works. I muse on what your hand has wrought and to you I stretch out my hands. Like a parched land, my soul thirsts for you. Lord, make haste and answer for my spirit fails within me. Do not hide your face lest I become like those in the grave. For your name's sake, Lord, save my life. In your justice, save my soul from distress. Those words exist in the canon of scripture right alongside all of the psalms of praise. There's 150 psalms and they range from the depths of despair to the heights of praise and joy. All of it is included in the canon of the psalms. All of it is seen by God. And one of the hardest things about depression is that feeling, I'm gonna cry here, that feeling that you are separate from God, that you're that he doesn't want your hardest emotions, the things that are most difficult for you, the things that you are going through. He doesn't want you anymore. He's rejected you. And that is very much what I was feeling. I was feeling very rejected by him. 
And the truth is that he's, he's seeing you in that. God is not ignoring you. He's not hating you. He's not judging you for feeling these things that you're feeling. He created you the way that you are with your emotions and he knows how to handle them. As my friend Mary Lennonberg says, he's a big God, he can take it. And so when I read that, I felt understood. I felt like I was heard, like this is, didn't give me a place to go necessarily, but just knowing that this is also all part of a journey toward heaven. And it, it doesn't, you're not shameful if you're feeling the depths of despair. If you feel like one going down in the grave, if you cannot write a psalm like that unless you understood how, how that feels. You can't just make that up out of your imagination. That was somebody really feeling those things. And God sees it and he accepts it and he is willing to hear it. Now, my next question was, why doesn't God do anything about it? Why doesn't he do anything about it? And that was hard for me. I was reading, um, again, morning prayer. And one of the readings was from the book of Judith. And Judith was about to rescue Israel. Um, and they've gone through all these horrible things and, you know, they're about to starve and their last hope is Judith. And she comes up, she gives this whole speech and then she saves Israel, which is amazing. Um, but she had to have faith in order to be delivered. Basically everyone's losing hope. They're at the point of death. So Judith says, besides all this, let us give thanks to the Lord, our God for putting us to the test as he did our ancestors. Recall how he dealt with Abraham, how he tested Isaac and that and all that happened to Jacob in Syrian Mesopotamia while he was tending the flocks of Laban, his mother's brother. He has not tested us with fire as he did them to try their hearts, nor is he taking vengeance on us. But the Lord chastises those who are close to him in order to admonish them. I was kind of mad when I read these words, honestly. I was like, okay, great. He's chastising me. Now I feel loved. <laughs> and um, and honestly, that that's, those are difficult words to hear if you're in the midst of a phase of depression where you are questioning things and you're not doing well. But it did actually serve to also give me hope. I've just been ruminating on those words quite a bit. Just reading the book of Judith, just understanding the, the way that the Lord works. He tests our faith in order that he can know that we want to follow him so that he can work incredible works of glory. That's the way of the Lord. He doesn't hand, he didn't tell the Israelites what was gonna happen when they left Egypt. He didn't tell them he was going to part the Red Sea as Pharaoh's army was barreling down on them. Like it was like it happened in the moment. And I know it's hard, I've lived how hard it is when you're waiting and waiting and waiting and things aren't getting better and things aren't getting easier and you just can't see a way out. Actually, in the book of Judith, it literally said that their enemies had surrounded them and there was no way out and they had no food and they were all about to die. But the Lord waits until that 11th hour sometimes in order that his glory can be manifest. And, you know, honestly, God's worked some pretty amazing miracles in my life and I have trouble remembering them. It's like spiritual amnesia. I think they talk about that on the Abiding Together podcast a lot. It's like, wait, why did I not remember that like three years ago, God did this incredible, amazing thing. Why did I think all of a sudden that he's not interested in doing that for me anymore? Um, and I, I'm fickle. Um, and so if my faith, it, it's a test of my faith to just say, can I just remain faithful? Can I just wait on the Lord? Even though I'm in pain, and I don't, I know that God is not willing us to be in pain every hour, just trying to get through every hour of the day. But 
he does allow these periods sometimes in order to teach us something about himself and something about ourselves too. And it is all part of the plan going through the desert in order that you may make it to the promised land. Yeah, and there, there's going to be good things that come out of the season. For example, for me, I had been getting into this bad habit and four months after this whole not sleeping thing started, I noticed that this bad habit I had been getting into uh, it wasn't mortal sin or anything, but it was just, it was just something I did that was making me feel like I didn't, I wasn't fully comfortable with it. I didn't, I didn't like that I was doing it. I didn't like that I was getting into this habit. And so four months into it, I realized that because I had cut so much out of my life, that was one of the things I had cut out of my life. And I was just, you know, in, instead of spending my time with my friends or, or doing the things I enjoyed, I had cut that out. That's not a good thing, but I had also cut out this bad habit and I realized you know what, that's actually pretty cool um, that there, I didn't see it at the time, but it has gotten me out of the habit of, of doing this particular thing. And so I was like, well, that's, that's a side benefit. There are good things coming out of this. The key is, the point I'm trying to make is just to be patient enough with the Lord to remind yourself of where he has worked in your past. And I know that that's really hard when you have been through a very long season of depression. I know it's sometimes impossible on some days to to come up with those those instances of, and to really actually remember. But as often as you can, try to remember the times when you had to wait on the Lord and he did come through for you. Third thing that I have to share about my healing process, and like this is not coming from someone who's like dispensing wisdom on high. It's, it's literally, it's like hard-earned wisdom. I've been depressed. What can I share to give other people hope? That's, I feel called to share the vulnerable parts of my life many times. Um, once I have processed them, a certain amount. A couple weeks ago as I was sitting outside and praying and just trying to understand like I've said a million times Lord where were you in all of this? Why why do I feel like you hate me? Like why do I feel like I should not I can't see your face in all of this? This is the time when I need you to like really answer me and you're silent. Why? And I was recounting to him the list of things I felt I had lost. My social life, my time with my friends, my ability to thrive, um, my ability to do good things, good things that I wanted to do for my family and with my family. Like I, I didn't get to do them. There's so many good things that we could have done this fall and we didn't. Even just like good habits like exercising and um, there's so many things that, that I feel like I, I lost out on. Building my community, we usually host parties in my house and we love that. We love having big parties and building, our, building up our community in this area and we haven't done that this fall at all. So where is the Lord in all this? And I just brought this to him and it was, it was cool. There was a moment of grace where I just, he just showed me as I closed my eyes, he just showed me myself, like going over to that crib over and over and over again, waking up and rousing myself from sleep, even though I was so exhausted and gently holding my, my baby, picking him up, loving him, giving him kind words. There was no one else who could give him what he needed except me. And he said, in all those moments when you didn't deny him, in all those moments when you when you met his needs and you you ministered to him, you did that to me. That was me that you were loving there. There was, you don't need to worry about all the other things that you could have been doing. You were loving me. And um, Obviously, it was a very personal thing. I can't quite describe like exactly what that looked or felt like to me, but it dignified all of that struggle 
all of the things that I just felt had lost. I had lost all of those days that were just so hard to get through. I felt like it dignified that because it was a direct act of generosity, of loving the Lord, a direct act of charity towards him, loving my son for the sake of, of God, because my little guy didn't have anybody else to help him. Where else could he have gone? And instead of just ignoring him or acting, doing something stupid in anger against him, I, I loved him in the way that he needed to. And it helped immensely to just know that to be good enough to, to, to be good enough for myself or for God, I don't have to do all kinds of things. I don't have to do all kinds of things. I just have to love the ones that he has put in my life who are under my care. And I think a lot of the, the hard thing about depression is that you feel like you're failing everyone around you. You feel like you're messing up constantly and like you're so messed up, like you'll never see the end of it. And it was beautiful to see that whole thing, that whole issue just flipped on its head and to realize that all of those little acts of love meant something, they meant a lot and they weren't wasted. They weren't a loss, they were a gain. This is kind of a weird way to end a video. I'm like, how do I stop? How do I stop talking now? <laughs> I don't know. I guess by way of a conclusion, if you are having a hard time even just getting out of bed and just doing the things that need to get done, just, just do one thing. Just do one thing for yourself today, if you possibly can. But I tried to create just like maybe 15 minutes for exercise and prayer in the mornings. Sometimes I would just like get up in the middle of the night if I couldn't sleep after the baby fell asleep because I was like waiting for him to wake up and I would just commit to getting up and reading like a couple, excuse me, mm, couple chapters of a book. I had Panera for lunch and now I'm just feeling it. <laughs> um, and sometimes it's good to just like commit to doing one thing one thing to help you feel better if you can. And then don't guilt yourself if you don't even have energy to do that one thing. Just keep praying, just keep keep asking God, keep bringing your questions to him about where you are and what you need and what you want. And yeah, maybe that's the long and short of it is don't, don't, um, don't give up on God. He's not giving up on you, I promise you. Even if it feels like he is, just make your mission to endure, to wait for the Lord. And if you can get through today, it doesn't matter if you get through with flying colors or not. If you can just get through it, then he he's waiting for you and waiting with a better day. It's going to happen. So I'm praying for you, praying for anybody who is feeling depressed and in need of some hope. One thing that I have been doing for myself, and I will share this, I make candles and they are beautiful and they are 100% beeswax with crackling wooden wicks. They give me a lot of joy and it's something that makes my house smell amazing. It's something I can do even on the really difficult days when I don't have like a lot of brain space. It really helps a lot to make my candles and to know that they are being shipped out by the hundreds all around the country. It's like really super cool for me that, that that's a part of my life. So if you'd like to buy one or take just take a look, take a little, take a gander. I sell them on the Catholic All Year Marketplace, and um, yeah, I'll leave a link in the show notes. Also, don't forget to subscribe. As always, thank you. There's a lot more resources on stacysummerow.com, a lot of workout videos here on YouTube, and a lot of episodes of Called and Caffeinated. So enjoy, and I will see you next time.